All right, I got a glass of water, and I was working on my Tony Clifton impersonation in the hallway. <clears throat> Lindsay doesn't like it when Tony Clifton comes out, but sometimes Tony Clifton comes out, and you just have to deal with him when he's here. <laughs> I'm Tony Clifton, okay? 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 <laughs> have you watched uh, uh, Jim and Andy? Or- oh, yeah, 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 I did. I haven't touched it yet. I was thinking about it. I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, so it will wreck your head. You should watch it. It's great. It'll okay. it'll change. It'll it'll make you love. It'll make you love Jim Carrey and and pity him in a new way. Oh man, yeah. yeah growing you have, up, you have real pity. You have real pity for him. Goodness. Growing up, I uh, I was always told that I kind of look a little bit like him when I have my hair a little bit longer, and I also had a bowl cut at one point, so I was. And I have like the the like expressions he does, like the big, big old smiles. So uh, I've always just kind of grown up like, hey, I might look like that when I get older. I'm gonna be okay with that. <laughs> it's a good looking dude. He is Jim Carrey. I'll tell you, and he only gets better with age. He has a beard right now that I think is just wonderful. Oh, <coughs> I tried a beard this year, and it did not. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who a um a real good looking older fella is is that Ralph Lauren. He is a um. I mean, just that that white hair. He looks like a stallion. I just can't. I I think he's just a good looking old fella. (laughs) I'll say it. it. I love him. (laughs) They said to give up and to grow up. That my songs make them want to throw up. That I'm not original or catchy or clever or smart. Said my guitar would sound better at the bottom of the Ohio River that I should get a job the Route 51 Kmart. And sometimes I think I might agree with my old friends that don't call me anymore to hang out or catch up. Welcome to the Edgy Punks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biderman. This week, I am getting to chat with a person that I very much admire uh, a whole lot in the whole world. His name is Derek Zanetti. He is of the Homeless Gospel Choir. As you just heard, he plays some very, very fun music, uh, as well as uh, loves Andy Kaufman a whole bunch, as you heard in our our opening segment right there. Uh, This is the podcast for everyday educators and daily disruptors. This is our season finale, season one finale. We're going to take a couple weeks off. I'm pretty honestly excited to just get to relax for a few weeks. We're going to be in Chicago. We're going to be in Milwaukee. We're going to be all over Wisconsin for a little bit. And then we're going to be in Oregon for a little bit. I get to go home. I get to go to my home. Uh, We're going to go to Katie's home first. And then we're going to go to my home. And it'll be nice. And I'll get to relax a little bit in the good old Northwest and eat brunch every single day. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, if you like what you hear on this podcast, please give us a follow at EduPunksPod on Twitter and Instagram uh, and leave us a review or leave us some stars in the iTunes uh, store. Uh, and you can also uh, uh, find us on the Google Play Store, which is really sweet. So working on Spotify, but on Spotify, you can get the music playlist of all the music that I've shared on this podcast so far. You'll find new music even from this podcast from the Homeless Gospel Choir, Derek Zanetti, who I'm going to be talking to for this next hour. You can hear the two songs that I'm sharing throughout this episode on that 
playlist, which will be in the show notes. Uh, his new album is called Normal, and it is out on ANF Records, uh, which has put out a lot of great records this year. And if you want to get a copy of it, uh, I will have information on it a little bit later. Uh, but for right now, I'm going to not dilly-dally a whole bunch. I just want to get straight to this conversation with Derek. Uh, we get a, a lot into punk, a lot into mental health, a lot into DIY culture, and the culture of protest songs, and what it's like to be a musician and an artist in uh, the current political climate. And you get to hear a whole lot of Derek's uh, very, very wonderful uh, perspectives on on life and grace and just how to treat other people. And I think there's a lot to learn here. I'm really stoked that this is our season finale and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Now let's get to it. With friends like that, who needs friends who have seasonal depression in Western Pennsylvania or anywhere you're afraid to just be yourself. All right, so I'm sitting digitally with my buddy, uh, Derek Zanetti, who's out in Pittsburgh. Yes, correct. How are you tonight? Warm and comfortable and cozy. Very blessed and lucky to be here. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yay, yeah. Thank you for being so, like, so willing to do it. Like, I think I sent out a tweet, and within like a couple hours, I was responding with like your PR guy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're working overtime. I'll tell you what, they don't take time off, you know, nights, weekends, holidays, Christmas morning, they're on the internet. As long <laughs> as the internet's open, they're open. So it's kind of nice. Well, I mean, uh, it's probably great timing because the, the new album is fantastic. So you're getting hit up uh, left and right. It's been, uh, yeah, the, 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 uh, thank you so much for saying that. It's, um, yeah, it's doing fine. The record's great. Thanks for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Derek, I know a little bit about you, a little bit about Homeless Gospel Choir, but folks at home might not know anything about you. Can you tell folks who you are, what you do, how you got here, okay. all that jazz? Um, my name is Derek Michael Zanetti. I was born on March 28th, 1983. That makes me 34 years young in the year of our Lord. Um, I uh, my my came from a, a, a working class, blue-collar background. My father owned his own painting company. Um, and sometimes, uh, um, uh, sometimes we had a whole bunch and sometimes we didn't have so much, but we always had uh, our family together. And that was always, that was always a comfort, um, uh, um, in a, in a world that was filled with so much uncertainty. Um, I was also raised in a very conservative evangelical Christian, um, household and, and, uh, and was, um, introduced to religion at a very young age. Um, uh. I think maybe a form of religion that I don't uh, um, see much value in now in my life uh, as an adult. Um, some of those beliefs uh, I, um, I think uh, might have hurt me more than they helped me in the long run. Um, and uh, I think they're good for some people, but they're, they, they certainly aren't good for everybody. Um, but I think uh, that being involved in, in a religious um, uh, type of a um, uh, uh, um, an intense religious group to be kind um, for at such a young age and for such a long time um, uh, 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 put me in a very specific place in my life where I had to make a decision uh, whether I was going to be a part of that or not be a part of that. And the decision-making process of that um, is ongoing and to this very, very moment. And my idea of God and who God is and what God is 
um, radically uh, affects my decision making process uh, to the to the nth degree. Mostly, I'm even currently in the middle of this very conversation. Um, um, uh, and yeah, I make art and I write books and I sing music called the Homeless Gospel Choir. And I and I and um, I know that was a huge mouthful for a very small introduction, but I figured, well, um, let's not mince words, and I'll just go ahead and elbow smash it from the top rope right right off the gate. Um, <laughs> I live in Man a, Randy Savage style. Yeah, I live in a house with with my dog and my partner in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and this room happens to be painted yellow. Um, not because we're sports fans, just because I think that was in the cheap rack whenever we bought this house. Um, yeah, that's that's just um, a nickel's worth. No, I dig it. I dig it a lot, man. Um, Especially since, like, last time we chatted, we kind of got on the same topic of, like, being raised in kind of an evangelical family. So I, I completely get to a degree where you're coming from with that. Um, so where and when did music come into come into your life? Like, when did you start making it? Well, um, I always kind of did. I, um, I remember being in, like, plays and stuff whenever I was in elementary school. You know, like the Nutcracker Christmas play. I was, you know, a Russian baker, and I came out with a hat, and I danced and made a song. Um, nice. I just, yeah, like I was really into that. I really liked that. And because I came from like a churchy background, there was a lot of singing involved with that. So I think I've always had been around it in one way and uh, or another. Um Whenever I was a young lad um, in the year 1994, there was a really important record that came out called Dookie by a band called Green Day. And um, I had heard that for the very first time in that year. And um, I was having a hard time, uh, you know, fit, fit, you know, fitting in. And I had a hard time finding friends. And I, I really did. I I didn't have any older brothers or sisters and, and I didn't have any older cousins or anything to like show me the way. And I, you know, I, I, I often felt lost and I often felt like, you know, you know, uh, um, just worried and bothered a lot. And I, I listened to this music, but you know, that represented this idea that you could be a different person and still be okay. You could be a weirdo and still be okay. That you could be a freak and still be okay. You know. And then I realized that there were these other people who are around me that also felt congruently to it. And what a what an amazing you know gift that was to to realize that I am a weirdo and there's other weirdos too. And like. I don't have to be ashamed of the feelings that I have and I don't have to be ashamed of the way that I look and I don't have to be ashamed that my parents don't have any money because there's these other fucking kids over here and their parents are broke and they look like a bunch of weirdos and we make <laughs> like this friendly thing together. You know what I mean? Like there was a friendly, like it was a, I don't, I don't mean to use the word safe space cause I, I don't want to miss, you know, I don't want to misdefine that word, but it was a place for kids to come and feel safe and like, have each other you know and it was like super rad and it was the best thing ever and it was punk rock and it was the coolest and and i guess yeah that was like my big huge into it because i started hanging out with all these other kids and they would show me like well if you like this band then you'll love this band called operation ivy and then yep. you'll love this band called the offspring yep. and you'll love this <laughs> band called you know uh rancid and then you'll love this other band and then you find out about everything yep. and um yeah uh, but punk rock for me was like the big, huge awakener, I think, was to realize that like 
this music was more than just like something that you heard on the radio. It was, you know, a thing, a thing to participate in, and the community of other people who are of like mind, like minded, you know, a belief that you have, and you get to, you know, participate in a new type of family together. It was really attractive to me. That's awesome, and I mean, like you, one of my favorite things watching you perform a couple of weeks ago is like you had just started a song and then at the you you stopped it almost immediately and you were like you know what guys this is what punk rock is and you just like went off on punk and i was just like this is amazing someone who truly just like appreciates punk and punk ethics and what it means to be truly diy and i'm curious how those ethics have followed you throughout your life as you've aged a bit um how they might have changed, evolved a little bit. Yeah, um, I, 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 um, whenever I first started to make music as the Homeless Gospel Choir, I can remember um, having my friends bring their laptop computers over to my house so I can burn CDs and put a stamp on them, so that I can put them in a bifold cardboard thing that I made into a plastic sleeve that I got out of the, you know, the resale shop or whatever. You know, um, I don't do that anymore. I have, there's a manufacturer out of Philadelphia um, called Disc Makers. They're wonderful and they have great prices. And now they'll go ahead and they'll put a sticker on the back of it for you and put it and clear up and ship it to your house. Yep. And you know, I just, don't, <laughs> I, 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 I think for, uh, especially in the very beginning, I, you know, DIY was something that I was obviously familiar with, but it was also like my only option. I couldn't pay somebody, you know, $150 to screen print my t-shirts for me. I just didn't have it, you know? So I would just go ahead and do it myself with like a spray paint can and a stencil or, uh, you know, an old screen print and like just lacquer paint or, you know, whatever. Because I, I, I didn't know what else I could do. And I learned that from my other punk friends who were doing it. Um, I still love to screen print. I still screen print my own T-shirts sometimes. Yeah. Uh, screen print and posters and, and, and things like that. I love to do it. Um uh, whenever I have the time to, I just, um, I also now have friends who have businesses who, um, provide that service and I like to support them too. So, uh, we all win. Yeah. Go, go to support the friends instead of, you know, the, the, the larger corporations that are trying to take all the money, support yeah. the locals or at least um, try your best to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, so like we, we screen print straight out of our living room as well. And then we take those patches and stuff and we take them and we table with them and basically all the money we get from that we put right back into making some more so yeah. uh it's it's fun somewhat sustainable huh. yeah um something i appreciate about the way you make art and music and and uh whatnot is that you're you're pretty straightforward like you don't really mince a lot of words for like imagery or for the sake of just like a coy metaphor is this like a conscious decision you've made like throughout your career? I think it's I um uh, yes, I just like to just say things sometimes just as they are. I think there's some things I like to say that are cryptic so that I don't have to necessarily wear it all out there so you can just punch me in the face with it, but <laughs> I, I you know, I, I think certain things should just be, you know, uh said and sang out loud and put a hook on it. You know, if there was a if there was a great hook um, uh, you know, if there was a great hook in every song that said racism is bad and we just kept hearing that over and over and over and over again, it was catchy and hooky and great. I may, you know, maybe we'd all start to believe it. Yeah. Together. Yeah. You know, like maybe we would all start to believe it together. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And I, I think, like, we should put that stuff, and it should be, like, forthright. And it should be, you know, for the music that I'm making anyway, I don't want to tell anybody else how to make music or art or whatever. But, you know, for me, I just, you know, I just want to say it. And if there's something that I think needs to be said, I think there's a creative, you know, funny way to make a pun of it. But I think it should just be said forthright so that people can at least know where you're coming from. Yeah, 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 for sure. Do you, what, what type of value do, do you find in being straightforward um, with your art? Uh, do you think that it helps folks um, kind of connect with a with an idea, or do you think it's more of like, if if no one's going to say this, I'm going to say this? Well, I I think the purpose of it is is to create something that's rudimentary, something that's basic and simple that everybody can connect with. I'm not up there playing guitar chords that like you know Jack Johnson or some real fancy you know fellas out there strumming on. You know, I'm playing the same five guitar chords that Johnny Cash played, and I'm just moving my hand faster than he did and strumming a little bit faster and yelling a little bit harder. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to you know do anything. Um, I'm not trying to prove anything. Thing other than if you have something that you need to say, this is a great medium to do it, and it feels good, and it helps you get the demons out too. You know, uh, I, I I tell kids all the time at my shows, the best compliment ever you could pay me is go home and start a fucking punk band tonight. Go ahead and get your friends together, find out what instruments you want to play, and even if it's just like a tambourine and a and a and a, and a you know a Yamaha keyboard that you got out of the thrift store for four dollars. <laughs> Say something that you really, really want to say and make it punk and make it good and make it yourself and really believe in it and show it to your friends. And if it's and if it's good, then you'll know that it's good. You know, yeah. I, I, that's I just want kids to go out there and make, you know, go out there and make it. It doesn't you don't have to hit a home run every time you do it. Just go out there and do it. I mean, that's what my friends and I did back in middle school. Like I actually made I made my first guitar out of Legos just out of the pure curiosity of what it would feel like to own a guitar someday. And my parents saw that. And actually, for the strings, I used the ring ropes that came with professional wrestling uh, rings. That's great. That's awesome. (laughs) Those were my strings. And then when my parents saw that, they were like, we should should get him a bass guitar. (laughs) And I eventually got one. (laughs) See? It all works in mysterious ways now, don't it? And then me and my buddies learned uh, Lincoln Parks uh, in the end and a place for my head. And we were chill as fuck. (laughs) That's the best. That's the best. And nobody's got to tell you. That's the thing. Nobody's got to tell you that that wasn't tight at the time. You didn't need their opinion. What you were doing at that time was the tightest thing ever. And you might appreciate this. One of the first songs I learned on bass was She by Green Day. That's great. Yeah. up yep. the punks. Up the that punks and uh, Blink-182's Carousel. Oh, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember listening to those tunes. I, I used to like Blink-182 back in the day. I really did. Yeah. And then, I don't know. Eh. And now, I, 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 I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. That's, yeah. that's what I don't want to talk about on the interview. Don't I don't want to talk about it. No way. <laughs> All right. So, Derek, you write protest songs. You're very upfront about writing protest songs. What are the makings of a good protest song? Um, uh, anger and understanding, I would say. Hmm. 
I think it's I think it's okay to I think it's anger is a gift that we can all have and share with one another. I think it's important to share that. I don't think it's okay to keep it bottled up. I think if you're angry about something and and you're right and true about it, I think you should be able to speak your piece on it uh, in, in a way that 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 um, that, is, that is safe for other people to hear too. Um, and so, so, um, so I think protesting ha- definitely has to do with anger, um, uh, but but understanding too that. Um, uh, not everybody is going to understand the world in the same way. So I think we have to understand that maybe not everybody understands um, the way that I do about this specific situation. So um, I think there needs to be some grace for some folk, you know, um, that we're protesting against. Even myself, most of the protest songs are about myself. Most of them are about my own faults and my own frailties and my own shortcomings and my own fears that, you know, the cop that lives inside of my head, you know, that we all have. That like every morning when we wake up, we have to baptize ourselves in killing that cop that's inside of our head so we don't act like that towards other human beings. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we have to we have to dedicate ourselves to doing that so that so that we can so that we can walk in graciousness and, and, and walk in kindness and walk in, in love with one another and like in kindness and care. Um, uh, but, but we are all human beings and we're all people that are broken and sad and hurting and, and, and some, some, um, uh, um, not well. Um, and what, what it looks like, um, to have grace for people that we're protesting, what it would look like, even, even though I, I roundly, um, I roundly disagree with most, um, tenants of the Republican Party. There are people that probably live on my very street that might have voted that way, and uh, people that are in my family that might have voted that way. And what would it look like for me to have grace for them as as a human being that that is is, is deserving of dignity and respect, that is deserving of a conversation? I don't know yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. Give me a give me a couple years. Maybe I'll get back to you with it. <laughs> No, but I like what you're saying, especially around um, that duality of anger and understanding is important because, I mean, I was an activist throughout college. I still very much am. And I work with a lot of activist students and I have over the last five or so years. And one of the things that I've constantly um, been kind of the voice of in those situations is recognizing that protesting for the sake of pure anger isn't going to get much accomplished if you don't have either some sort of action around it or truly what you're a goal of what you're trying to get out of it. And so what I, I constantly talk with students about is, so what are you hope to get out of this? If your hope is just to like make a bunch of people mad probably not the best time or best approach. But if you're actively trying to get like a meeting with the university president, or if you're trying to get this part of the policy changed, come with that, those steps prepared, come with all this stuff ready to go. They'll hear you out because they'll see that you're prepared as fuck. And they they take that as initiative rather than just pure anger. Sure. and I also want to say that I, in no way is it my right or responsibility or, or, or in any way to tell somebody how to protest. In no yeah. way. I'm just saying for myself, mm-hmm. um, my, my protest always comes first is with nonviolence. Um, yeah. uh, yes. I've, always, I've always tried to make that uh, um, a, uh, just a, a, first, a first out the gate. For me, my first reaction in protest is always nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I can't in, in any way, shape, or form would I ever 
um, uh, try and, 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 and withhold or marginalize somebody else's way to protest if they choose to do so with violence or not. I'm, I, I just want to make sure that that's very clear. Um, yeah. that, was, that was just for me and myself whenever I talk about protests. Um, I, you know, I want to be angry, but I also I want to I want to I want to do it in a way that engages you, not repels you. Yeah, for sure. We had um, we when I was at UMass Amherst during graduate school, we had the Westboro Baptist Church come to our campus because we had the first out uh, college basketball player and okay. they were like not about that. And when we showed up with like 2000 students to counter protest, they're like eight people. They were like ready for us to be super angry. And we were just like, just leave, please. That's all we want is for you to leave. And they eventually did. Sure. And it was really cool because there was just a big – it was a big love fest. We're going to be queer as fuck right now just to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Zero violence. Um, how important are protest songs right now in today's political culture? I'm not hearing a whole lot of protest songs in the radios and stuff, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not listening to the right radio I'm, stuff. I'm not listening to much of the radio either, to be truthful with you. All right, Just all right my, good. <laughs> um, uh, my own privilege to escape from listening to it. Um, I think there's a lot of bands writing great protest music. I think there's a lot. There's a lot to protest. I think there's a lot of a lot of folks are really worried and they're really nervous and they're really upset. And I think uh, uh, that will always come out in culture in forms of artistic expression. Um, uh, It's um, it's a very odd it's a very odd gray feeling I feel I don't know how else to say it other than I just feel like gray all the time when I think about like the whole political climate I know that I probably should be more like ferocious and angry and like doing something more active I just feel so beaten by it to be truthful with you like I. I feel like ashamed in in in, in 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 a number of different ways, and I um I, I can remember the day after the election, walking around and seeing the just seeing the loss on people's faces, like they had lost like a close friend, and it was I, I, people felt like they were bullied, people felt like they were they were picked on, like it felt like you were everybody in the lunchroom just laughed at you. It just that's in my mind that's just how it felt, and like. Man, it's 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 hard to say much of anything. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I, I mean, I, it's hard to say much of anything. So the pro, I mean, the, as far as protest music goes, I think the new Tribe Called Quest record is absolutely a smash. The new Kendrick Lamar is great. Anti Flag just made an amazing new record called American American Fall. Um, I think it's I think it's a great protest record. Um, uh, and they're my buddies, so I get to yeah. talk about them too. <laughs> you got that shirt on. And uh, we're going to be seeing them in a couple months, I think, actually. We're pretty excited about that. Okay, um, down there for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, we interviewed uh, Lauren from the band Sharptooth. Um, uh, and they're actually going to be here tomorrow night. They're going to be crashing with us. Because um, okay. they're playing the last Vanna gig in Worcester um, on Friday, I think, is the gig. But uh, they wrote a great protest album that is like 
making huge statements against sexual violence, um, against Trump, against a lot of um, unnecessary hate and homophobia, which is, I think, a very powerful album to put out. And like uh, like our friends in War on Women, uh, yeah. we, we, we talked about Shauna the, the other night. Um, they, I cannot wait to see what they come out with next. Um, they're because, such a good band. They're, they're so good. good band just to watch them live is a miracle every night to see it. Yep. They're so good live. And I, I feel, I, I told, I tell Shauna every time they do it, I feel so uncomfortable and I just, I, I feel so it's the way that you're supposed, it's the way that you're supposed to feel when you listen to punk sometimes. Yeah. It's supposed to challenge you. It's supposed to push you forward. I didn't know, I didn't know that I, I, I didn't know that. Um, I could feel some of those feelings, you know, out, out, out and out in public. And, and and that band just pulls it out of you. I'm so proud of them and I can't wait to hear their new record. It's interesting that you and I would agree that watching War on Women could make can make us feel uncomfortable. While Katie, my partner right there, uh, truly feels empowered by it. Oh, yeah, for sure. so much. <laughs> Shauna is my idol. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. She's a, she's a dandy for sure. She's she's a great pal. Oh yeah. So and but like you say, there's a lot of um, there is some risk in putting yourself out there like that. And people who are willing, Anti Flag's been doing it for decades now. Yeah. Um, so you really have to be prepared for whatever you put out there, the recourse that might come back to you. So. I also, I also sometimes, you know, even recently, I've just been listening to like a lot of ambient music, just like things to help me just to, to, to maybe, maybe forget about it for a little bit or to, for me to go away inside my head for a little bit and not, not, um, to not think about it. Um, I don't know. To be honest, most of my record collection is ambient and instrumental music. So I just been doing that myself just because when I, when I go, I mean, Usually I, I would watch the news and I would I would get a chance to go ahead and see it all and see how it all would unfold. But every morning I wake up to all these Twitter notifications of you're never going to guess what the orange idiot said today. Yay. And then it's like, well, I don't even I, I now I can't even watch the news. I can't even stomach to put on the uh, to flick the fucking flicker so I can so I can watch it because I know it's just going to be an ocean of bullshit. And it doesn't matter what channel I put it on. It's just like you're just swimming through just like, oh, wait a second. There might be a clearing in the road. Nope. It's another avalanche of bullshit. And so, like, I, I, I don't even I mean, I've to drag myself to watch the news. I mean, it's a real it's a real um, it's a real bear to do. I, I, truthfully. OK, we're halfway through the conversation, so it's time to take a quick break. And instead of hyping something up this week, I'm just going to like. Leave a little bit of a message before the the holiday break and before we take a season break and just like say, I, I hope everyone takes care of themselves during the holidays. It's kind of a rough time for some people. Uh, being around family isn't always the easiest thing for some folks, um, for some folks of varying identities outside of gender binary and um, out of the heteronormative culture. And I just want folks to know that if if you need anyone to reach out to, please do not feel uh, uh, any sort of hesitation to reach out to, uh, to, to this podcast, to our art of survival, uh, nonprofit, reach out to me, 
me, reach out to Katie. We are very public uh, on on our social media, on through our emails, through our contacts on our websites. Um, that if you need someone to talk to, if you just need some support, just like hey, reach out. Um, you can always get support, especially for depression, potential suicidality during the holidays, uh, by by contacting the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Please feel free to call that any time you need to talk to someone. That is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. We want folks to know that there there are people out here there who can talk with you. Day or night, if you're going through stuff, especially during the holiday season and especially during the rough times that we're going through right now with our current political climate. We just hope that you take the time that you need for yourself and make sure that you know that you have people out there who will listen to you and who can help you. So please, if you do need someone to talk to, reach out to us, reach out to the National Suicide Prevention um, Lifeline one 800 273-8255. Now let's get back to this conversation with Derek Zanetti. In the zine for Normal, uh, your new LP uh, out on a a and Records, mm-hmm. uh, you have a note that says, read history, uh, uh, People's History of the United States of America by Howard Zinn, and then reread it again and do something about it. Yeah. This book was required in my grad program, so I've gone through it. Why do you find this piece of literature so essential? I just think that it tells a different story. I think most of the things that you've been taught and told in regards to how things were were formed and put together in this country were um, uh, were, were, were you're only told a portion of it, and I don't necessarily know that that portion that you were told um, uh, is is true. And I think Howard Zinn was able to to do to do a lot of research and a lot of hard work and a lot of digging to find things that happened um, and expose them um, and and the the fine detail and 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 the rigorous uh, research that he did to put that thing together. I think is just a beautiful book, and I think it, it just changed the way that I that I um, I viewed politics for sure and uh, the way that I interacted with people for sure um, changed as well that book that book will, that, that book will, that book will tan your ass man that's a that's a that's a that's a good one I love it oh for sure and one of the things that kind of stood out to me when we were reading it and something that I actually ended up uh, getting to explore a bit more because one thing that is kind of left out a little bit in Zinn is like the queer aspect of history, um, which is why like Michael Bronsky wrote a queer history of the United States. Um, and have, have, I, I'm just curious, have you had a chance to read that at all ever? I had no. Um, I, I would I, strongly I, suggest it. Send me a link. I'd love to check it out. It's, it's a fantastic read and it's one where um, – like that's my that was like one of my only major critiques in Zen, and then it was offered as a suggested reading in my grad program, and I was like, yeah, I'll read it, um, and because there's so much even that, like even for such a book that he created, there was there was going to be stuff left out, and I feel like there's still a good amount of erasure that's going to happen with queer folk moving forward 
especially with the folks that are in in charge of like the history books right now and the educational books right now. And I'm curious what you think of what history will look back on this current timeline. How will how do you think people are going to record this or reflect on this? Um, We're on a dark timeline. <laughs> hopefully accurately. Hopefully, hopefully the history would be able to be projected truthfully and unmolested. If we could, if we could have a perfect world. Um, I don't think you have to look too hard to figure out the good guys from the bad guys. Um, to use that, to use that, that, that colloquialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I, it's not hard to see who's being marginalized and oppressed. It's not difficult to see it. Um, uh, when you look on the television and the same folks are getting in trouble for the same things over and over and over and over and over again, it's not by coincidence. It's not just because that, you know, um, they don't have anything better to do or that they're bad robbers or anything like that. Um, um, there's, there's systems in place to keep people in control and there's systems in place to, um, to force people into positions, questionable positions that they prefer not to be in, but don't have any other option. And, um, history is going to show that you were either with those folks or you weren't. And I think it's going to be pretty black and white. And I don't think there'll be very much room for gray on that, on that particular note. I just want to make sure that I'm on the right side of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think if there's one thing and I, don't, I still don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but within the last decade, we've seen, you know, social media really take over a lot of the documentation of the good and the bad happening. And I have a feeling, I have a hope that some of that stuff will be like maintained so that we at least have that aspect of history to live on because even like presidential tweets are archived at this point. So... Yeah. I have a hope that to some degree what this timeline feels like right now, what we're feeling right now will be documented as a period where granted, I don't think it's, I don't think we are nearly as bad as like the civil rights movement in the sixties was. Cause that was literally Charlottesville every day. And sure. But at the same time, we are having a whole different level of inequality with especially the economic side of things where there is no middle class anymore. And if it's there, I don't know if I'll ever find it. And that's a whole different level of rigging the system. It's instead of rigging the system against black and brown folks that was – the big deal for for hundreds of years folks have now turned it against the poor whites and it's if you don't have the means if you don't have the capital get out of the way or we're just going to move you out of the way really it always Uh, goes it always goes the highest bidder right it does You think that you think that sometimes there might be a, there might be an exception to that rule on occasion where someone's like, "No, you're not going to give us nearly as much money, um, but j- you're a nice guy, so we'll sell it to you for half." That never happens. Yep, yep. And it can be 
it can be pretty tough. And I'm I'm thankful that you shared uh, a little bit that you're feeling kind of gray in this period of, I guess, history in our lifetime. Um, I wish I could say the contrary. I wish I could say, I wish I could tell you something different. I just wouldn't, I, I just don't think it would be fair to say that. No, and, and that's real because, I mean, I'm feeling it. Uh, Katie's feeling it. We're, we're all feeling it right now. And um, no matter if it's just the politics of the world right now, but if it's also your life shit, your real life shit going on too, it can all have like a compounding effect on how we feel every day. Um, and you're, I mean, you're pretty vocal uh, about experiencing and surviving mental illness in general. Um, and I'm curious, like, how important is it to you that, like, especially men uh, speak up about mental health and mental illness issues? Um, I, I, I can't speak on, I can't speak for all men. Yeah. Um, I, I just for, um, uh, for, for me specifically, um, I think, I don't know. I think there's supposed to be some kind of a power involved in it. You're supposed to be a man and you're supposed to, you know, tough it out or be a tough guy or, you know, be a man about it. You've heard, I've heard that my entire life. Um, you know, uh, uh, don't cry about it. Don't be a crybaby. Um, uh, it isn't so bad. Somebody's got it worse than you. You got don't a lot. Be a sissy. To be, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a lot to be thankful for. What are you crying about? You know. You, you hear that for so long, um, and 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 then sometimes you start to believe it, and then you start to go ahead and say that there, you know, actual trauma, well, you know, actual horrible things that did happen to you. Well, what are you crying about? It isn't so bad. You don't have to be so glum about it. And it really does a poor representation of how you actually feel in comparison to how somebody wants you to feel because of their own embarrassment of you feeling your feelings all over them. Um, uh, so I think for me, it gives me it gives me a lot of strength and it gives me a lot of control over my own um, uh, uh, over the trajectory of my own health to be able to talk about it. And hopefully it gives the people who, um, you know, like my music or whatever, you know, the courage to talk about it, too, because the more you talk about it, the more you can be in control of it. And the more you can be in control of it, the better you can be to other people. Um, and by no way do I say that I'm, I'm perfect in any of my actions towards other people. I can be a real prick sometimes too, and short, <laughs> short, short tempered and, 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 and just, uh, just a, just a miserable, just a miserable turd. Um, so I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to, to, to think that I'm, you know, just this, you know, image of patience and kindness and gratitude. And I'm just in my yoga pants all the time. Cause I ain't, um, <laughs> Um, so there's that too. Do you have some I, yoga pants though? I do. I, I actually, I'm wearing, I'm actually wearing, I shouldn't have worn them painting today, but we're painting the trim over in the, uh, the Airbnb today. So I was, I was, uh, you can, I don't know if you can see it all over my hands. They're still oh, paint yeah. all over the place. And I, I, wore my, I wore my first, I bought my very first pair of adult sweatpants with my own money this very year. Um, right. my, my mom bought me sweatpants as a child. And I've had a pair bought for me for Christmas in like 2007 or 2006 that I've worn until current until they're, it's completely threadbare. But I, when I was out on tour in Europe, um, I, 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 I had to get a pair of sweatpants and I, and I bought my very first pair of adult sweatpants that I went painting in today too. So uh, I won't be wearing them out. They won't be a fashion item any longer. <laughs> I mean, uh, I painted to survive during a job search. So I was like making art like every single day and... I got paint on almost every piece of clothing that I had. 
Yeah, this is baseboard painting. This is not fun painting. This is not. This oh, yeah. is. Uh, this is. This is. I, I. My back hurts in ways that I can't even express. I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I, I think I twisted a muscle I didn't even know that I had back there trying to get to this one little part behind a ra- uh, uh, a radiator. I thought. I thought. I thought for sure I was going to break my neck. Oh goodness. Um. No, but I, I like what you're saying because uh, uh, as someone who also grew up being told that I couldn't really talk about a lot of my feelings. It was, it was rough because I always feel like I felt everything like to like an, uh, uh, an extreme degree. And whether that be uh, joy, happiness, sadness, depression, like I felt it a lot. And I felt like I didn't have anyone, especially in my family to even say that to or communicate that to until I met uh, a guy in college, like actually like my first real mentor who told me that like, he was like, yeah, in, in passing, he told me that he spent uh, the night before crying. And I was like, Hmm, what? And I was like, yeah, I was like crying last night. It was just a rough night. And I was like, we can, we can talk about that. <laughs> Wait, what? I mean, I was crying like last week. We can talk about crying. I'm here for this. And right. once someone started sharing that story with me, started sharing their their feelings and what was going on in their life, I realized I could do that too. And that's so – it's freeing. Sure it is. Of course. It's really freeing, especially as a dude who like really repressed a lot of my – I mean, I request, I repressed queerness for so long. I repressed, um, true, like suicidal ideation for so long to the point where like, I couldn't talk to people anymore until I finally got therapy for it. And it was one of those things that once I started sharing a little bit, folks started opening up more too. And I mean, now it's a job that I have, <laughs> um, but it, it takes like artists like you, people who have some sort of a, um, an audience to, for folks who might see you opening for say beach Lang a couple weeks ago, who did not know you before that night, see you sing a song where you talk about having depression and someone's like, fuck, I didn't know that was a thing that we could do. That's awesome. Like, that's a big deal. One thing that I can remember from my childhood that, that um, was such a wonderful lesson is that um, Mr. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood always said that all of our feelings should be manageable and mentionable, that we should be able to be able to talk about all of our feelings and without shame or ridicule. And I've always, I've always tried to maintain that tenet that we should be able to manage and mention our feelings. That if there would ever come a place where you're surrounded by people who tell you that your feelings aren't valuable or that you don't matter, um, you know, you need to find some new friends. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you should be able to go ahead and 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 and, and talk about those things. And unfortunately um, for me. You know, there's a room filled with a couple hundred people and the door's locked. So they have to listen to me say my stuff in between listening to my songs. So I, 
You know, I say sometimes I feel sad. Sometimes I feel so sad that I wish I'd never been born. Sometimes I feel so sad that I wish I didn't have to live for one more minute. And and then sometimes I feel sad that I feel that way because I've been given so much privilege and so much wealth and so much extra that I'm, I, I can afford to throw my leftovers away if I don't want to finish them. That I, you know, that I have... Um, uh, two toothbrushes in my bathroom right now, currently on the rack. I have one that I take out on the road and one that I use whenever I'm home. I've been given great luxuries and great gifts, and I've been able to uh, avoid a lot of life's pain due to the privilege that I was born with that I never had to work an ounce for. And sometimes thinking about that sometimes for too long also drive you to to to, to want to jump off a cliff. Um, yeah, but but I think you should be able to mention all those things. I think you should be able to talk about them, and and, and I think if we were able to talk about them out loud, then we can get other pers- perspectives from people that we might not have had a chance to live through. You know, a step or two in somebody else's shoes, but you have somebody else who kind of sounds like you and kind of has gone through a similar thing that you've gone through, and now they've gotten through something that you're currently getting through, and you're able to help each other out to make it happen. And I. I I think it's just really valuable, and I think it should. I think it should. Um, I think it should happen more often. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Now, last question. Yes. And then we'll go into this lightning round thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I got into education. Just a, a quick thing. So I got into education so that I could help like alternative students feel like they had some sort of an ally, you know, like an advocate. Um, someone that they could see themselves becoming, being. Um, but not a lot of my colleagues truly know how or get get how to connect with alternative students, punk students, edgy, artsy students. What kind of message would you have for educators who might struggle connecting with this population of students? I would just ask them questions, I would say. And maybe you can just ask um, what it is that, how it is they would like to be treated, how it is they would like to be addressed and earn their trust that way. Um, I know that whenever I was that age, I didn't feel like I had an explanation to anybody. And many times I would defy authority just because I fucking felt like it. And it wasn't my job to be there. And I was just a little prick kid that like didn't care. <laughs> so, you know, we're the same person. <laughs> yeah. You're getting paid to be there, buddy. You're the fucking teacher, so you're going to have to eat my shit. And that's kind of how I thought about it in many ways, and I know that that's disrespectful and wrong, but it's how I it's how I behaved for most of my adolescent life, especially in high school. And um, there's some kids that just don't care. You're their teacher, and you're not cool, and you don't have anything that you can teach me, so, so eat my shit. But then there's, like, I had a lot of teachers who, like, put me on to some really hip shit that I didn't know about. That like bands that I didn't know about and like other cool stuff that I didn't know about that I was super into that like, you know, if you like if you listen to Green Day when you were in high school, you should tell your kids that I think that would make you super cool and relevant if you said something about like, hey, did you hear the new Kendrick Lamar record? Because I know you should have heard. I mean, maybe I don't know. If you're teaching school, if you're teaching anything at a liberal arts school, you should have heard the new Kendrick Lamar record. I don't know. <laughs> talk, about, talk about things that are current and relevant. I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. I just thought my teachers were so out of touch with everything that was cool. Like there was no way for me to connect with them, even whenever I wanted to talk to them about, like, you know, 
feeling sad when I listen to the Smashing Pumpkins. They're like, well, I don't even know what that is. Of course, because <laughs> you're, you're fucking, your head's up your ass. But if you're like, pay any, you know, pay any attention to culture as, as an educator and you want to relate to people who are involved in an alternative culture, I don't know. Try new things. <laughs> try a new thing. I don't know. That's, that's a harsh, I think that's a harsh, that's the harshest answer I think I've ever given uh, to, a, to a question in an interview. I don't think I've ever reacted so harshly to anything else in my life, whatever you yes! say. Yes! What should teachers do to reach the kids? I don't know. Fucking anything that you're not already doing, because what you're doing ain't working. <laughs> I think you nailed that. All right. Time for the music break portion of the podcast, bringing you tunes from Derek's project, a homeless gospel choir from his new album, Normal, which is out on AF Records, which you can get a copy of it by visiting a-frecords.limitedrun.com or by going to the hospital, homelessgospelchoir.com, the hospice close gospel choir the homeless gospel choir.com you can get a copy of uh the album on on vinyl you can get a digital copy whatever whatever works for you however you ingest music um i personally absolutely love this album it is one of my favorite things that has come out this year which is why i was so excited to get to talk to derek um this this week for this episode and i hope you enjoy it it's a lot about um finding some home in the world where you might not feel like you fit in and this next song that i'm going to play is the title track of the album it's called normal uh made me cry the first time i heard it just made me feel real great um and that i could finally uh, kind of feel a little bit of myself coming through someone else's music and that was wonderful so i hope you really enjoy this song uh it's called normal it is by the homeless gospel choir
Alright, that was Normal by the Homeless Gospel Choir. If you like what you heard, please visit thehomelessgospelchoir.com. Pick up a copy of the album on vinyl. Uh, get a digital copy. Get a CD. Whatever works for you. Or go to a-frecords.limitedrun.com. AF Records is, uh, has put out the new Homeless Gospel Choir album if you like it again it's called normal one of my favorite albums this year and now let's finish up this conversation with derek zanetti all right derek it's time to end this with some lightning round questions just to get to know the other side of you let's hear it all right what's your favorite color i don't have one none at all i mean i like them all i love them all i love all all the colors chartreuse chartreuse might be my favorite color okay chartreuse Okay. Now, what about uh, favorite food? Um, I love um, probably um, waffles. I would have to say waffles are probably my favorite too. What do you put on your waffles? Butter and syrup. Really? Just simple? Butter and syrup. If there's a nice country gravy and I want to be naughty, I'll have I'll have country gravy on my waffle. But okay. uh, typically just butter and syrup. And I have to say that would be my death meal as well. Dang, okay. Yeah. Um, what about... Almond, di- oh. almond milk. I'd have, to, I'd have to have almond milk with it. Okay. If I drank okay. that much dairy, my stomach, I don't think... Even if I was going to die that night, I wouldn't want to die with those stomach pains. <laughs> same, same. Dairy's <laughs> not my friend anymore. Um, what about... Do you have a favorite type of animal? Uh, yes, Winnie Cooper, my dog. Oh. Um, she's my favorite animal. Um, she's my favorite friend, my best friend in the whole world. And, um, she's, she's just the best. She's the best pal in the whole world. I saw y'all were playing catch the other day on Instagram. That was great. You sure were. (laughs) Uh, do you have a favorite movie? Um, I couldn't say, um, favorite movie of all time. Um, or uh, even current. Um, maybe it's a wonderful life with, um, Jimmy Stewart. The Christmas movie, I really do like that one. Okay. What about a? Do you have a favorite book, current or all time? Um, favorite book, current or all time? Um. Oh man. Um. There's yeah. There's a book that I that I think is probably my all time favorite book, and it's a book called "I'm Proud of You," and it's by a guy named Tim Madigan, and he was a he was a correspondent with Fred Rogers for thirty years, and he wrote a book about all their correspondence back and forth that they had kept over thirty years. Different, you know, uh, life's great joys and then life's great sorrows, and how he responded with both of them with Mr. Rogers and it's 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 a wonderful read. I've actually heard of that and I have not looked into it, but one of my friends actually was telling me about that one. Huh. I do I do I do like it. You're a big Mr. Rogers fan. <laughs> I am. I think I, I think there there's there's a lot to be said for kindness and, 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 and for giving people the benefit of the doubt. I really do. Um, I think there's there's a lot of judgment, a lot of snap judgment that happens whenever people are being judged on the color of their skin or on or on their gender, their sexual orientation. You don't have a chance to even get to know somebody. You don't even get to know anything that past the way that they look. And um, I think that's a sad life to live. And um, <clears throat> I just I just think that we all all, all of us um, uh, I, I deserve to be treated with dignity and respect and have that conversation. You get to know somebody. And I just, uh, he, he real, uh, he still teaches me 
to this very day as an adult, you know, when, when I have disagreements with, 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 with my partner and we, we can't see eye to eye on, on a particular issue and maybe one of us has raised our voices or maybe have asserted dominance in some way, we will sit down and listen to a Fred Rogers record and talk about conflict resolution and why it's, why it's best to listen. And why it's best to um, why, why it's best to hear out the whole side of the other story and put yourself in someone else's shoes for a moment. And uh, we, you know, we don't get a, we don't go to we don't go to bed angry. And Mister mm. Rock has been a great huge um, a great huge uh, uh, um, um, inspiration to me, even currently as a, as as a grown adult. That's awesome. It actually, sounds kind of interesting because Katie and I we both got degrees in the same thing, which is basically just. Working with college students, student development, conflict resolution, and so we're kind of the same way. When we have like an issue, we're like, let's let we're we're both adults. We can talk about this. Yeah, let's not let's not be mad about this. We're being irrational. Yeah, um, that's always good. That's great. Now, uh, speaking of, I guess TV. Do you have a favorite all time TV show or I don't current? Know if I do. I, I um I couldn't say. I, I I don't watch very much television. I do like Black Mirror. I do like Stranger Things. Those are current. Um, Did you see the new trailers for the new Black Mirrors? No, I haven't, but I should. I'll have to go ahead and Google search that after this conversation. They're all quick, and it comes out uh, the 29th. So, right at right before New Year's. Yep. And we we actually have like a flight that day, so we're gonna watch like two episodes mm-hmm. on the planes. Pretty hype about it. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite tattoo of yours? Um, no, I don't think I do. Um, I think I'd give them all back if I could. If I could be truthful with you, I think I'd okay. give them all back. Yeah, I'd just be a clean I'd slate. Be, I'd just be a uh, just be a plain Jane and um and, and and just have have none of it. I I, I think my, my desire to have tattoos as a youngster was to rebel and was to be different and was to be like this social outcast or whatever, uh, because I grew up in such a such a small conservative little world. Yeah. Um, now, you know, there's television shows, you know, L.A. Inc., where people go in to get tattooed with their grandma on their face and all this other crazy stuff. And I just, you know, I don't I don't necessarily need these tattoos to relate to like I thought that I once did. The underground and the subculture has been completely immersed in hypercapitalism. So now everybody who wants to be edgy that has enough money can go ahead and get some shitty tattoo to prove yeah. that, you know, they were there, too, or whatever. So I don't know. I guess like tattoos are cool, but also super fuck tattoos. I don't know. I I, I don't. <laughs> um, I, I like know. that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, they're cool, but fuck them also. <laughs> Do you have a, a worst job? A worst job. Um, I don't know if I had a worse job. I mean, there's jobs I only had for. I only worked. I worked one day at Journeys Shoes. Just one day. One day. Just couldn't couldn't do it. Just I was yeah. like, this is this is like the most this is this is too poser for me. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't people were coming in there and these kids were just kicking their shoes off and they were just acting a fool and I was like, I can't sit here and kiss their ass while this these brat like teenagers are like, Yo, let me get a you know, let me get a size eight or whatever. I'm like, I can't do it. Like these skater punk kids are like let me see the vans, and I know they're just going to try and steal the shoes. Like yep. I know, them. I know the, they're my little brother's friends. Like I know you, little brats. I know. <laughs> what you're up to. 
Oh, man. So Journeys. Journeys suck. Pizza Hut was my very first job that I got when I was 15. My dad walked me down to the to the municipal court borough building and got me a worker's permit, and I got a job at the Pizza Hut on 51... I mean, I'm sorry, on Buttermilk Hollow Road in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania, the town that I grew up in, and I was responsible for mixing the sauce. Huh. Yeah. Cool. The sauce, man. That job sucked. <laughs> uh, you got a sports team? Do you like sports? Not really. I watch the hockey games whenever they're on. Cool. Um, I, I, I watch the Penguins, um, and I decided that I was going to pick a, a, a proper football, like a soccer team, like a European soccer team, because yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to like something that I wasn't attached to. Like, I don't want it to just be from my hometown, but like, oh, you know, on, on, you know, on Saturday at 10 a.m., you know, Liverpool's playing, so let's go ahead and watch the Liverpool game. So I picked the team. Um, uh, uh, two of my pals from Jersey, they're like, hey, we're Liverpool pals, and do you like want to like Liverpool too? I said, sure, I'll like Liverpool too. So now I'm a Liverpool fan. Um, I'm gonna. I'm not ready yet. I think it's after the new year I'll become a fan, but I'm I'm, I'm still taking my time with it. Cool. I like to end this with uh, something music related. Do you have? This might be harder. I don't know. Might be it easy. Do you have a favorite band all time? Maybe something you've liked even recently. Um, my favorite band of all time. It would be so hard to say. Um, my favorite band. Even a few. Um. Um. Sure. I guess, um, oh, man, it's Chad Van Galen. I think uh, Chad, Van, Chad Van Galen put out a new record on Sub Pop. I think it's just the best. I just saw his band play in Pittsburgh a few days ago, and it blew my mind. They might be the greatest rock and roll band in the world. I mean, you want me to say the Beatles' White Album? Yes, it's the best. I love it. It's so good. Radio Hit Kid A, I love that album. I can't get enough of it. Weezer Pinkerton's on my top ten. Neutral Milk Hotel Airplane Over the Sea has to be up there. Beastie Boys License to Ill. Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire. Um, I love uh, Bad Religion, No Control. That new Charles Bradley record, Changes, should blow your mind. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Rest in peace. last Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings record was right before she had passed. That mm-hmm. record is another smash that I can't get enough of. Uh, that new Kate Tempest record, um, uh, uh, um, Let Them Eat Chaos, I think that's a smash record. Um, and Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, the greatest record ever made by human or alien that we know of as of yet. We were rocking out to that the other day. I still get choked up. We were going through Jagged Little Pill and the greatest hits of John Michael Montgomery. It was great. I still hate. I still hate Uncle Joey from Full House for what he. <laughs> do. I'm a loyalist. I'll be real truthful with you, but I'm a loyalist. And if you fuck with my friends, I don't know if I can come back, come to terms with forgiving you. And the way that he treated poor Alanis whenever he was getting that Full House money, and she wasn't, and he was, and he was, he was, he was running around on her. I'll never forgive him for it. Not in a million years. Joey Gladstone. You're on the shit list with me, buddy, and I, I don't know. know if you, I don't. I don't know if I don't know if what's going to get you off of that. But it's it's going to take a lot for the way that you, you you mistreated Alanis. I love that that went there. <laughs> me too. Okay, to wrap it up, do you have any final thoughts, ideas, no, suggestions I... for people in the world? 
just try your best and keep trying to be kind to everybody. Give everybody a fair shake and the benefit of the doubt. If you see somebody who looks like they're down on their luck, they probably are. Try and be extra kind to them and lend an ear if you can. Uh, make sure you take care of yourself first. It's really important. Make sure that you take care of yourself first. You can't help other people if you don't help yourself first. If you're in a sticky situation, make sure that you get out of there. Make sure that you take time to think and to breathe and to talk to somebody. It's super duper duper important. You're valuable. You're loved. Be kind. Show that to other people. Don't take anybody's shit. Don't trust any politicians or cops who are trying to push you around and tell you what to do. Um, uh, if you're a teacher who's trying to talk to young kids, get on their level. Go ahead and listen to that new Tribe Called Quest record. You, you know, you're not too old to have a good time. Um, other than that, um, just uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. Hopefully none of my answers were offensive or, or hurtful in any way. Um, uh, if they were, I would love to, to to address that. You can send me a, a message on my on my website, www.thehomelessgospelchoir.com. If you have any questions on the content of this interview, I'd be happy to answer them uh, directly. So um, uh, thank you so much for your time and for your kindness and your care. And thank you so much, Derek. This was a fun conversation, man. Me too. I had a great time. It's always wonderful catching up with you. I can't wait to hear about your new year. Um, I'm taking a break from the internet for a good bit. Um, I, I think I just need to just just peace out of it for for a moment. Um, so I'll, I'll probably just catch up with you probably in mid January, the beginning of February. We'll make sure to give you a shout out. Yeah, we did it. We finished the the season. There we got uh, one more episode under our belt. Twenty twenty six episode of the year. First season is done. Wow, uh, it's been a wild ride. Been a wild ride for the last seven months, talking to people, interviewing folks from all over the country. Been very, very cool. Very thankful. Very thankful for Derek spending some time with me, uh, chatting about life and everything else in the world, and being punk and being an educator and treating people with with some love and some grace uh, along the way. Is very, very. Uh, very impacting conversation with Derek. I always learn so much from him every time we sit down and chat. I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful for him. If you liked what you heard uh, from the music that we shared this episode, then then you liked Derek probably a little bit. And you can go to the homelessgospelchoir.com to find out more about Derek's music, how you can get it, how you can get physical copies of it if that's your thing. Uh, go to A-F Records uh, to get... Uh, a copy as well, AF Records. They put out Normal, the new record from the Homeless Gospel Choir. Also, want to just give another quick reminder that the holidays are tough. We're going to be gone for a couple weeks uh, on, on vacation, but if you need to talk to anyone at any time, please, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day. Please do not feel any level of hesitation to call them and reach out and get some support. Uh, it's really important to make sure that you know that you're not alone during these weird, difficult times. And I want y'all to know that I'm thinking about you. I got you in my heart. I'm loving you if you're listening. And yeah, so Katie and I will be back in in a few weeks with a bunch more conversations but thank you again to everyone who's listened along and shared the podcast. Find us at EduPunks Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at Craig Bittedman. Find Katie Ham at Katie Ham. And 
yeah, that's I think all all I've got for now. I'm gonna leave you with the rest of uh, Homeless Gospel Choir song, and uh, we'll see you and see you next year. Oh wow, that's weird. See you next year. But until then, let's get to work. Sometimes I think that I'll die here. Sometimes that's all right. Sometimes those words haunt me and cut me like a butter knife. And if your friends are assholes, then you're better off alone. Or you can go make new friends, the retirement.